Thanks, Mike, for reading Acts chapter 3. We are continuing our series that we started a few weeks ago about the book of Acts, and we're looking at chapter 3 today. Uh, Let's open up with prayer. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you uh, for filling us with your spirit. And Jesus, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you will be glorified. And this morning, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts, give us grace to to hear, to understand, to believe, and to obey and walk it out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well... um, I think I need to apologize a little bit, maybe because I've got two quotes at the beginning of this sermon, two examples from some of the most unlikely people that you would think would provide material for a Christian sermon. Uh, So the first one, you guys know General Patton. One of the greatest generals in American history and also one of the craziest generals in history. He was like, in the middle of World War II, he was... Uh, relieved of his duty for slapping a wounded soldier in a hospital um, because he was very enthusiastic. Uh, (laughs) But he he was a leader of men, and he got results. And uh, uh, he believed in leading from the front and not from behind. Here's a quote from General Patton. In war, every man is expendable. That includes me. Any man who starts thinking he is indispensable will start staying away from the fighting at the front. Do everything you ask of those you command. Patton believed leadership was done from the front. He understood that no one would follow a leader that didn't know what the work was like firsthand. He said, No good decision was ever made in a swivel chair. (laughs) All right, so uh, General Patton, he was quite a general. Uh, The other quote this morning is is from Elon Musk, the billionaire owner of Tesla and perhaps the savior of free speech in America. I don't know. But but anyway... uh, I just read an article about him, uh, an interview with him last week, uh, and he was talking about how he sometimes actually sleeps on the floor of his Tesla factory uh, during, during the time of the highest production, highest stress for all of his workers, for everybody, uh, that he will actually sleep in a sleeping bag on the floor of the factory Uh, And he says this, I don't believe that people should be experiencing hardship while the CEO is like off on vacation. And so uh, here he is also leading from the front. And uh, as we looked at Acts chapter 3, I feel like it's kind of tilting this way today. (laughs) Turn my podium around. Uh, As we... uh, as we look at Acts chapter 3, uh, we think about Jesus. And the question is, did he go off to heaven to leave the disciples and us to fight the battles and advance the kingdom 
on our own. He's not, he's not there. He's not in the story. Um, or is he? Let's, uh, let me reread uh, verses 4 to 7. It says, And Peter directed his gaze at the man, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Wow, that's cool. And I, I love what Peter says there. He's, he doesn't have money, but something better to give. And what does he have? He's got the name of Jesus. He's got the, he has the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and that includes the authority and the power to heal the man, which is a lot better than just giving him money. He's probably given him money before. I mean, a lot of people have, right? Uh, and this, is, this name of Jesus and this authority and this power is dwelling in him and with him through the Holy Spirit. Because uh, back in chapter 2, which Tom preached about last week, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized with the Holy Spirit with power. And, um, and Peter was changed. And uh, so this is true. Jesus will be glorified. And it is his name that leads the charge in the advancement of the kingdom. And he is the one with all power and authority. So it's not just like we're mentioning his name, which is, which is important, but it's like his presence comes with his name, right? So remember, um, just uh, not long before that, a couple weeks before that maybe, um, in Matthew 28, it said uh, Jesus... Uh, you know, right before he went up into heaven, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? Well, of course, he's the Son of God, right? But no, he's, what he's talking about, as Jesus, the God-man who came to earth, uh, by dying on the cross and rising again, he took back the authority that God gave to mankind to rule the earth. And... <coughs> The devil was defeated. The enemies, spiritual enemies of God were defeated. And that authority and power was returned to where it should be. Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. And he, so he said, it's been given to me. And then he said to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he's getting ready to go back up into heaven, but at the same time he's saying, go and behold, I am with you always. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit sometimes is referred to in the Bible as the Spirit of Jesus. And Jesus is present with them through the Holy Spirit. That his name 
even though he can't be seen, uh, that Jesus is present with them. He is with them. And, uh, and so Peter and John have this faith, this confidence. So after this, uh, what we see is um, an amazing miracle happened. I think a lot of people were familiar with this man who, who was begging, and they saw him jumping and leaping around and heard what happened, and the crowd gathers, and so the opportunity to share the gospel comes with the signs and wonders, and Peter walks into it. And uh, so I'll read again from Acts 3, starting at verse 11. So while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So you see, he says, it's the name of Jesus that has made this man strong. It's not me, it's not John. It's the name of Jesus, who, by the way, you just killed, the Messiah, the author of life. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Just think about that. That's the same Peter who denied Jesus to servant girls a few weeks before maybe, or not long before. And uh, here he is in front of a crowd at the temple. This is not the seeker-friendly sermon. And you notice that in the Bible, neither Jesus nor his disciples uh, were, were soft-peddling the gospel. Uh, they, they told it like, it like it is, right? And, uh, but he, he's very bold. Why? Because he knows Jesus is with him. Jesus is, is out in front, and he's emboldened to follow. So, so in that situation, the situation with the beggar, um, the lame man, having faith is absolutely important there, we can see. He says, it's, it is, uh, it's not... It's not our own power, it's not our own piety, our own righteousness that made him walk, but it's, uh, it's uh, his name, by faith in his name. So the name of Jesus, connected to by faith in the name of Jesus, has made this man strong. And that faith that is through Jesus, <laughs> so the the faith, it's his name, and faith in his name. And even that faith is through Jesus. Jesus gives that faith. Has made this perfect health. Has healed the man. So faith connects us to the name of Jesus. 
and therefore to the presence of Jesus, the authority and the power of Jesus. Peter and John had confidence, they had faith in the name of Jesus that he was present in and with them at that place and moment with all power and authority. They weren't worried about their weakness because it didn't depend on how strong they were. It depended. They knew that Jesus was there um, uh, be, through the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's kind of like this. It's, it's kind of like as if Jesus gave him his credit card <laughs> to go to shopping at the store. You know, it's like, uh, in my name, you have authority. You have my authority. They knew this truth. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And they knew it in that situation. Therefore, they had faith to use that authority and power in Jesus' name to command the man to rise up and walk. You know, they didn't pray. They didn't say, oh God, please heal this guy. You know, that's not what they said. They said, look me in the eye. And they looked him in the eye and they said, rise up and walk. Uh, with faith they commanded it and they also have that boldness to speak the truth to a crowd in the temple and tell them how they killed the Messiah and the author of life and to, because it was necessary to call those people to repentance and the apostles knew who Jesus is that he was with them in the situation whether they could see him or not so here's another description of the Jesus who was leading Peter and John. And this is what we should be thinking about in every situation, that this Jesus who said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. It's from Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And it's John saw this vision. But this is, what, this is who Jesus is. This is who we should have in mind when we are mindful that Jesus is with us. John writes, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And one, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh... He has written a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, it's not the picture of Jesus that we usually see on the wall in the living room. <laughs> right? I mean, that Jesus is true. Jesus holding the little lamb is Jesus, right? But Jesus riding the white horse with the sword coming out of his mouth, ready to judge and take vengeance. Jesus, the the king leading the army in military battle. That's the same Jesus too. And that's the Jesus that is with us in every situation that he leads us into. And so we need to be mindful of that Jesus. Uh, no matter what we are facing, whether it's a problem, 
or a situation, a hard situation, a task, or a witnessing opportunity, uh, that's the Jesus that we need to know is with us through the Holy Spirit. So the question is, well, sure, those are the apostles. Sure, Jesus was with the apostles. But is, what about with you and me today? Is it the same? Well, uh, does he promise that for us? The Bible says it calls Jesus the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, he's like the prototype, so to speak, uh, for what the apostles would be, as well as who you and I are today when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me read to you Romans 8, 28 to 30. Romans 8, 28 is, is famous. We'll read a little more of the context around it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Anybody here who, who here fits that description? I think every one of us. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, listen to this, to be conformed to the image of his son. Does that just mean like um, to be forgiven of our sins? Well, it does, but no, it's talking about who we actually are and how we function, that we become like Jesus, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and that includes women, so brothers and sisters, that he might be the firstborn. In other words, he's the first human being because Jesus was fully man. It was important that he became a man. He is fully God too, right? But it's important that he became fully man because he is the first human. He's also called the second Adam, like um, Adam 2.0, <laughs> okay? He, he's the first man, new man. And we follow, we are born, when we are born again, we are the many brethren. He's the firstborn, we follow him. Right? We follow it. We, we become who he is. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. We won't talk about predestination today. And those whom he called, he also justified. He, he forgave our sins. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's an amazing thought, that he would glorify us. Okay, so if you might just say, well, well, Jesus is the Son of God, uh, but we are not like him. We're just poor, miserable sinners. Um, no, I mean, not that we deserve to be glorified, but when it talks about Jesus being glorified, we think of the transfiguration on the mountain. We think of what it says here that, that Peter said, God has glorified his servant Jesus through this healing that just happened. God has glorified Jesus by he's sitting at the right hand of God at the throne in heaven. Right? That kind of glorified, it says that he, he also glorified. Actually, it uses past tense. It doesn't say will glorified when they get to heaven. 
right? It doesn't say that. Um, so, now obviously, we are not the only begotten Son of God, right? So we're not like a bunch of little gods, and like the Mormons, we're going to be sent off to populate our own universes one day. Uh, that's not what it's talking about. But we are sons and daughters of God. I mean, that is who we really are. That's our identity, and we are functioning on earth, led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus did. Okay? So we should never use the thing, well, Jesus was Jesus, and that's why he did all those things and was, you know, was so wise, so loving, so perfect, and, uh, but we're never going to be like that because he's Jesus. Well, it's true, he's Jesus, and, but we have the same spirit that Jesus had. And when he was on earth, he was functioning as a man led by the spirit. He didn't come. He, he laid aside his glory and he wasn't coming as, as the great I am in all his glory and power on earth. He became a man and was led by the spirit. And so he... Uh, He functioned that way, and now he wants us, us to function that way. He abides in us now by his spirit. He expects that we will walk and live in the same kind of ministry and authority that he did while he was physically on earth. Do we understand authority? Do we understand the authority that we have? Because a lot of times we don't, because we think, I, I'm, a, I'm a victim of circumstances, you know, I'm poor poor, pitiful me. Everybody feels sorry for me. You know, instead of saying, wait a minute, I have the authority of Jesus. (laughs) Everywhere I go, I have the authority of Jesus. There's a problem. Wait, I have the authority of Jesus. Right? Um, There's an opportunity. Wait, I have the authority of Jesus. That's what God expects. Uh, If you, uh, let me quote Jesus, Mark 16, 15 to 18. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's the second time we've heard him say that. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That's authority. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. Uh, Think about the Apostle Paul uh, after he was saved from the shipwreck. Uh, Well, that's kind of an example. Uh, A serpent latched onto his hand and everybody around thought he was going to die immediately because of what kind of snake it was. He shook it off into the fire and they kept on waiting to see if he'd keel over and he didn't. You know, but he wasn't worried. Why? Because Jesus was with him, right? And so whether it's that, some people say the serpents, uh, serpents represents uh, our spiritual enemy. Um, but whatever it is, they have authority over that. We are not, uh, how can I say it? We are not helpless against the problems in this world. We are not helpless against the effects of sin in the world and on humanity. We're not helpless against it. We have authority, the same authority that Jesus had, the authority he took at the cross and handed back to us. 
Uh, it says, if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. These are promises. Is this just talking about the 12 apostles? No. No. Why would it just be saying that? These signs will follow those who believe. Okay? He didn't say just for the next 100 years. Or just these special ones I've picked out. No. Those who believe. This is Jesus' expectation of what life will be like for us as Christians. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do these things. He takes all that is of Jesus and belongs to Jesus and makes it a known, known and available to his people. He communicates to us from, from Jesus in heaven. He also downloads power to us from Jesus in heaven. And uh, Jesus said this in John 16 when he was talking to his disciples. He said, I still have many things to say to you. He was going to go to the cross the next day. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So you see, again, he's talking about the purpose of the Spirit. His job is to glorify Jesus, right? In the earth and in us. And, uh, but another aspect of his job, or one way he does that, he, take, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so the Holy Spirit, is his job is to speak to us everything, everything that Jesus has. And to be clear, what Jesus has is everything the Father has. And that's what Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will speak to us. But I think that this is not just talking about wisdom, words, understanding. But I think, you know, God speaks things into existence, right? The Word of God is more than just information. That's what I'm saying. Uh, the Word of God, uh, you know, look, look at throughout the Bible what it says the voice of the Lord and the Word of God is. It makes things happen. It's power. It's supplying need. Whatever, the Word of God is tangible. So wrap your mind around this. The Holy Spirit will take anything that is Jesus's, which happens to be the same as anything that is God the Father, and give it to you. Wow. It's better than a genie in a bottle. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's big. That is, that is big. So, we must abide in Jesus by faith. Right? Like, every situation, he is with you. The name of Jesus is a big thing. Like Peter, that's why Peter knew he could say, rise up and walk. Look me in the eye. Rise up and walk. Because he knew through the Holy Spirit, he had, he had that. Uh, but we, we need to abide in Jesus by faith. Okay, so you, everybody knows the verse. 
He is the vine, we are the branches. And without him, we can do nothing. Peter and John were well aware that it was not their own power or piety, and that means their godliness, their devotion to God, their reverence, that made this man walk. That's what Peter said. And uh, yeah, again, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is not based on me, and Peter knew that, and so he was clear about that, right? When he talked to the people. But it's this same Jesus who heals bodies, performs miracles. He's the one who seeks to save and redeem the lost. And uh, healings and the workings of signs and wonders cannot be separated from the preaching of repentance of sins and the gospel, the good news about Jesus' death and resurrection to forgive us our sins and make us new, right? So those things go hand in hand. We cannot separate them. And this, this opportunity accompanies the healing, and Peter takes it. So again, from Acts 3, starting at verse 17, he says, Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as also did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring, for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of the, his holy prophets long ago. And so he's very bold by the Spirit, and he preaches the gospel. And notice, when he preaches the gospel, you've got to call people to repent. There's no forgiveness without repentance. So he calls people to repent very boldly. Like, if, if you feel led, repent. No, he didn't say it that way. He said, repent, <laughs> right? It's a command. Like, if you want to be forgiven, if you want to jump on this train, repent. And, uh, but then he, and don't, you know, you got to bring the good news into it too that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and he will send Christ to you. Every knee must bow at the name and the presence of Jesus. Do you believe it? Right? Is that just at the judgment day? No. I mean, if, if somebody waits till the judgment day, that's bad news for them. But every knee must bow at the name and the presence of Jesus. Repentance and humbling of oneself before the Lord is necessary. And Jesus responds with forgiveness and sending us times of refreshing. Uh, N.T. Wright, whose book we've been uh, quoting, reading and quoting uh, as a commentary on Acts, uh, said this, There is a time coming when God will restore all things. And though that final day will be truly wonderful, it can be anticipated through these, quote, times of refreshment in the present. Okay? And I would say uh, Peter and John restoring a lame man to walk, such a great miracle. 
is one of those times of refreshment. In other words, because, the, because of repentance and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, we can expect to start to see some of the effects of sin being made right here and now. We can expect it, even as they all will be made right in eternity. Okay? In other words, we can expect that through us, Jesus is coming here, when there is repentance of sins and forgiveness, that Jesus came to break the curse of sin and, and destroy the curse of sin. And we don't have to wait until heaven to see the effects of that. Maybe we'll wait till heaven to see the, all the effects of it, right? Um, because it, for it to be applied in the heart of every person and life and circumstances of every person, that's, <laughs> you know, but where we go, we should expect to see effects of it start happening, right? Uh, and, and that's what he's saying. Um, in this, we follow Jesus' example as well. The reason that the name of Jesus has become exalted above all is because he, even though he was the righteous God, hum first humbled himself and became a servant to suffer and die for us, right? So in other words, Jesus humbled himself and he is now exalted. That's why he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, Philippians 2, 8 through 11 says, says that and says, you should follow the example of Jesus Christ. Your attitude should be that of Jesus Christ. And then it says this, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, in other words, for that reason, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so uh, we need, as we follow in that example, we see the key, one of the keys to walking in authority is walking in humility, right? Because in the kingdom of God, that's how people lead out front, is you humble yourself and serve. And Jesus is called the suffering servant. You know, Peter referred to Jesus as his as God's servant and that's referred to in Isaiah 53 we like to quote it by his stripes we are healed right and that's the suffering servant who humbled himself who walks in that authority and uh, so as we've been preaching all year this is nothing new that like Peter's bringing up something new at this time that wasn't prophesied throughout the history of the Old Testament. In other words, this has been foretold and pictured throughout the whole Old Testament through stories, through events, through laws and uh, images. Uh, as Peter said, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the one whom Moses and all the prophets spoke about. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He's been, this is nothing new. He was from the beginning and he will be to the end. Uh, in verse 22 of Acts 3, Moses said, 
the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. It's talking about believing in Jesus. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. You hear how it says that to be turned from wickedness is a blessing. Amen? And notice that, that verb, I forget what we call that kind of verb, where it's acting on you. You're not doing the acting. It's, what's that, transitive? or Anyway, Mrs. Butler's not here. Um, nor well, Amy's here. Uh, she's not paying attention. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, the verb is to be turned from wickedness, right? In other words, that's the work of God. God turns us from wickedness. And uh, so, so in other words, this is not a new thing. This is what has been from the beginning. Jesus, who in the Old Testament, first he was called the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent. He was the ram that was provided in place of Isaac on Mount Moriah. He's the deliverer who brought Israel out of slavery in Egypt, just like we've been, he brought us out of slavery in sin in the world. Uh, he's the sacrificial lamb and the scapegoat for sins that are in the law of Moses. He's the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. He's the proclaimer of liberty and freedom and healing and binding up the brokenhearted, etc. That's in Isaiah 61. And many, many, many more things that are prophesied about him in the Old Testament. He's the same one who walked on earth and healed so many people and died for our sins and rose again. And he's the same one who healed the lame man through Peter and John and saved those who witnessed and heard their message. This same Jesus is the Jesus who still leads and accompanies us to the end and will, and to the end of our lives and it will be with us throughout eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Revelation 22, 13, Jesus said to John, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So as it said, listen to him. This is the last thing. Listen to him. That means to believe in him and to obey what he says. The purpose for which Jesus is glorified is so that people will listen to him and be blessed. God is love, amen? And his desire is that no person be lost, that no person be left under the curse and the burden of sin, amen? As Peter said, to be turned by God from wickedness is a blessing. The Holy Spirit's job in the world and in us is to glorify Jesus. And, 
in and through and around us. And the goal of this, why, why Jesus needs to be glorified, it's not his ego. It's not that Jesus feels like, look, I deserve it. You know, do this for me. No, it's, it's not ego at all. Why does Jesus want to be glorified? Why is it so important to glorify Jesus? It's for our benefit. Um, he desires the salvation and freedom and blessing and the well-being of all humanity that he's created. And for that to happen, Jesus needs to be glorified, just as he was in the temple that day in Acts chapter 3. Amen. And what I'm saying is that Jesus who leads from the front is still leading from the front in us through the Holy Spirit. And we need to be aware of that. And as we grow in awareness of that and being led by the Spirit, uh, we can function like Peter and John did. And like Jesus did when he was on earth. Um, remember when Jesus was transfigured in Mark 9, 7. Uh, it says, And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. <laughs> Listen to him. That he is the king who is with us and leads us in the charge. Listen to let us listen to him and follow confidently. Amen. He is our King of Kings. He is. He is. May, let's pray. Father, glorify your servant Jesus in our eyes, glorify him in our lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have come and we know your, your purpose is to glorify Jesus. Glorify, may he be glorified in our eyes, in our minds, in our thoughts, in our emotions. May, he, may we see him as he is, the King of kings and Lord of lords, full of love, full of grace, full of compassion and kindness but also powerful and mighty, victorious over every enemy. Help us to walk in faith and confidence. Help us to abide in the vine. Thank you that we are the branches and that we can abide in the vine. Help us to bear much fruit. And this be for your glory. Wherever we go, Lord, may Jesus be glorified. And we love you. We thank you. We remember what you have done for us and we are grateful and it makes us trust you more and more in Jesus' name. Amen. We say that lightly, in Jesus' name. That's a powerful thing. That's powerful.